Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. And this is our Beauty of Grace series that we've been going through for some time now. We've gone through several lessons, and we're going to continue with this lesson today. And we have been looking at so many different characteristics and attributes of grace from the very beginning as to why we even need it in the first place and what's the cause of why we need it, how it has come to us, how we receive it, and what it means once we've received it. And in the last several episodes, we've looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've looked at how they are conferred upon us by God, the potter he chooses. He confers them upon us through the Holy Spirit of God. We have looked at the the various gifts they are and how we're to use them in the service of the Lord as many members with diverse gifts, but serving together to build up the body of Jesus Christ. And we looked in the last episode at the conscience of grace and how Jesus' blood cleanses our very conscience so that we can now freely serve the Lord with our gifts So today we're going to continue moving forward in our Beauty of Grace series. And in this episode, we're going to look at the consecration of grace because we are moving now directly into serving Him. And we want to see how this is typified and we have some connections to the Old Testament and the New Testament in this service to the Lord. I want to start us out by looking at 1 Peter, and I want to begin reading in verse 1 and read through verse 10, because I want you to understand the context of what Peter is talking about here. In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says this, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes... Desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want to stop there for just a moment. In the context of this, Peter's already established that he's talking to Christians, but not just seasoned Christians or mature Christians or those who've walked with the Lord for a while. He actually is saying these same things to baby Christians, to those who've just recently come to know Jesus Christ. And so he's going forward and he says, we're all in this spiritual house together. You also as living stones, even though you're a baby Christian, you're still a part of this household. You are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Continuing in the reading, 
Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So as we look at this topic, the consecration of grace, we're going to be talking today about priesthood and service as a priest. And we're going to see connections between the priesthood described in the Old Testament and what Peter calls here a holy priesthood. I don't know if you realize this or not, but as a born-again child of the living God, a servant of the Lord, you are a part of a priesthood unto God. We are under Jesus, who is our great high priest, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. He is our great high priest, appointed and established by God as priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, fulfilling Psalm 110, verse 4. We need to understand a few things about priesthood in the Bible. There were three primary priesthoods of the Bible. There's the Melchizedek priesthood, which we read about in Genesis chapter 14. And there was the Aaronic priesthood, the Levitical line from Aaron and his sons, his direct descendants. And we read about that primarily in Exodus through Deuteronomy. And then we have Jesus priesthood, which is eternal. Psalm 110 verse 4 tells us that clearly where it is prophesied that God speaks to his son and establishes him as priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our priesthood is under him. He is our great high priest. He is the only high priest in this priesthood. We serve under him as priests. To serve as priests, there was certain prescriptions that had to be followed and requirements that had to be met. And I want to talk about some of these, and we're going to glean a lot of things from these and see how they apply to Jesus and to the priesthood of the believer. First of all, the Melchizedek priesthood. Now, this one is spoken of in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 20. And we have much more information about it in the book of Hebrews, especially in Hebrews chapter 7. We do know the least about this one, 
And we're not sure exactly who this Melchizedek was. According to those two passages, when we couple them together, it is my personal belief and many others that it is the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus himself. He is the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And we believe that he is Melchizedek who came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 14. And I cover about the priesthoods much more in detail in other episodes that I have done. One particular one that comes to mind is in the Holy Week specials or Passover Passion specials that I've done. I've covered priest. And in there, I go into some of these details. I believe I've done it in some other messages as well. Then there was Aaron and the Levitical priesthood. Now, in this priesthood, we're given the most details so far in the scriptures. And there were specific prescriptions and requirements that had to be followed to the T for everyone under the Torah, under the law. Then the last priesthood is Jesus priesthood. We have some details about this that are seen in the Gospels and in the coming day when his priesthood comes into full fruition. It is eternal and will carry us into all of the future. It will never end. In the past, as I mentioned, he may be the, the Melchizedek that came and visited Abraham. We see him also in the Gospels as high priest after the order of Melchizedek being established even then early in his ministry at his baptism. We'll talk about that in a moment. We see him offering up to God a high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And then we see him as high priest offering the sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice of himself through his death on the cross. He has a current ministry in heaven right now, and that is intercession 24-7, every day, all day, all through the night, interceding on our behalf. That is told to us in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, and in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. He is also trimming the churches, the lampstands, which represent the churches, according to Revelation chapter 1. We see that. We see him there in the high priestly garment trimming the lampstands. In the future, he will be established and renowned in the full fruition of his eternal priesthood. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ serves in his priesthood as priests unto him. In the Old Testament, there were many priests but there was only one who could serve as high priest at a time, beginning with Aaron and directly descended from Aaron, those that were truly his sons. Now I want us to see Jesus operating in agreement with all of God's commands in his priesthood as well. And the best example we can look at is the Old Testament pattern under Aaron. And I want us to note the similarities here. The Old Testament pattern of the Aaronic priesthood had certain mandates and prescriptions, certain requirements for serving and for the consecration required 
before they could serve. So let's talk about a few basics of that. You can get into much more detail by a deep study of this, but I want to highlight the basics right now. In the Old Testament, the sons of Aaron had to be 30 years old before they could begin to serve. In the Gospels, we find out that Jesus, at 30 years old, goes to John by the river Jordan and gets baptized in the Jordan River by John. I want to look at that a little bit more in detail in a moment. The priests, the sons of Aaron, had daily services in all of the temple worship. There were certain things that each one of them were to do as they served the Lord. And in the days of the Old Testament priesthood under Aaron, the high priest alone had certain other responsibilities, especially in regard to the Day of Atonement, which he had to fulfill, he had to do. But before serving, Aaron and his sons had to be consecrated. Consecration was required before they began to serve. Exodus chapter 29 gives the details about that. I just want to make a few points from that chapter for you to consider and encourage you to read that chapter on your own. In verse 1, it tells us that the purpose of this consecration was to hallow them for ministry as priests. It was to set them apart. It was a washing or a pronouncing of them clean, to separate them, to dedicate them for ministry. In verse 2, it required certain types of food and preparation of that. There were unleavened cakes that were used, speaking of it coming from God, the one and only who is without sin. Speaks of them having oil. The oil reminds us of the Holy Spirit. Speaks of it being anointed, reminding us of Acts chapter 2 when the church was set apart and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Speaks of the wheat flour also, which is interesting, takes us right back to Acts chapter 2, which was the celebration of Shavuot or Pentecost, which in the Jewish calendar and observance is the wheat harvest. The church is wheat. The church is the wheat that is serving the Lord. Jesus even spoke of it that way when he mentioned to Peter about Peter being sifted as wheat, Satan was asking. And so we see wheat associated with the people of God in the church. We see in the Old Testament consecration, they had to be washed with water. They had to undergo a mikvah, which was, in our terms, a baptism, an immersion. They had to be clothed with certain garments of the priesthood. There was a change of clothes. They had to be anointed with oil. The Holy Spirit was poured upon the church in Acts chapter 2. In verse 9, it speaks of how Aaron and his sons would serve as a perpetual priesthood. It also speaks in this chapter about offerings that were included as a part of their consecration. A sin offering and a burn offering were required. 
the sin offering he completely fulfilled on his death on the cross and the burnt offering he offered himself as the burnt offering and then when we come to romans chapter 12 we are told to present ourselves holy our bodies as a living sacrifice to the lord fulfilling the burnt offering as well and i get into more detail about that in the recent study that i did called leviticus grace and the church then in verse 29 of Exodus chapter 29. I do want to read this to you. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed in them and to be consecrated in them. So Aaron and his sons served as priests in this high priestly role, in this priesthood. It's interesting that also we are called sons of God. None of us will ever be high priests because Jesus is proclaimed and is installed as high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek now, but we serve as his children under him. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says this, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So Jesus has brought many sons to glory, so to speak. John chapter 1 verse 12 speaks of how any who will receive him, to them he gives the power or the right, the authority to become children of God. It's interesting also in Exodus chapter 29, in verse 33, that part of this whole consecration offering was that they had to eat of the sacrifice. It was to consecrate them and to sanctify them. It's interesting when you come to John chapter 6, verse 50 through 58, Jesus speaks there about him being the sacrifice and that we must eat of him and drink of him. And that really messed up the Jews that he was talking to. They could not understand that because it sounded like he was talking about what we might call cannibalism, but it wasn't that at all. He was speaking of communion. He was speaking of the night before he was sacrificed on the cross and he had the final Passover Seder with them. If you'll remember, he offered them the unleavened bread, the matzah, the afikoman, and he said to them, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. And then he offered to them the third cup, the cup of redemption at that Passover, and said to them, take and drink, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant shed for the remission of sins. Paul picks up on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. He says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So one purpose of communion is to consecrate us as priests according to this passage and pattern from Exodus chapter 29. Communion is simply the remembrance of Jesus' body and blood that has been given by the Lord himself on our behalf. So we've seen these basic prescriptions and correlations to Christ and the church. Now I want to delve into a few of these in a little bit more detail. Cleansing was required for consecration. Two main aspects I want us to consider. First of all, the mikvah, the baptism or the immersion. Remember, the priests could not serve until they were age 30, and they could not serve until they had been washed in water or in the mikvah, immersed. I want us to look next at Luke. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21 through 23 says this, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. And he goes on and gives the genealogy of Mary. This happened when Jesus was 30 years old. I want us to look more at this baptism of Jesus because it's very important for us to understand this. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So here we have more about the baptism of Jesus. Jesus came to John. When John resisted him at first, Jesus tells him, We have to fulfill all righteousness. What did he mean by that? We had to fulfill all that the Torah demanded exactly as was demanded. He was referring back to these prescriptions and requirements of the priesthood of all righteousness. This was speaking of the consecration demands from the Torah. He was 30 years old, and he had to come to John the baptizer, to John the immerser. He had to come to John and be baptized, undergo the mikvah, undergo the immersion. Now, why did he have to come to John the baptizer? Because of Luke chapter 1, we learn who John is. 
John was a direct descendant of Aaron through Zacharias and Elizabeth, his parents. In other words, John was a Levitical priest, according to the Torah. John was not serving in the temple during that time, because by this time, the Romans had corrupted the office of the priest and had established their own priest, Caiaphas. But John was the true direct descendant of Aaron from Zacharias and Elizabeth. I encourage you to look up a series that I did, a short series called The Baptism of Jesus. And I get into much more detail about all that happened here and why it had to happen this way and what it accomplished. But I want to speak about a little bit of that in this episode to help you understand. First of all, the baptism of Jesus by John was required because there had to be a transfer of priesthood from Aaron's line, the Levitical line, to Jesus, who would be priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Levitical priesthood needed to come to an end in the sense of it being God's tool or the way that God was going to minister in a priestly fashion to the people from that point forward. It was not long after this when Jesus died, and not long after that when the temple was destroyed and has yet to be rebuilt after 2,000 years. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, by the time of the writing of the book of Hebrews, it tells us here that the priesthood has been changed. When was it changed? It was transferred at Jesus' baptism. Even John said in John chapter 3, verse 30, He must increase and I must decrease. There was a transfer from John of the Levitical line of Aaron to Jesus, who became priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, according to the edict of his father, God. The second main reason for this was because God required consecration for priestly service. That was part of the righteousness that had to be fulfilled. So this baptism was part of the consecration for the priest to serve. Now it's beautiful when we understand that about our baptism also that this, when we are baptized, it becomes a symbolic consecration as well for us because we are a royal priesthood. Some were not able to be baptized. For instance, the thief on the cross, and yet he is still saved and is part of the heavenly family that we will meet one day. But when possible, Christians... Those who believe in Jesus Christ should undergo baptism. And remember, there are different reasons for baptism, but one of those is 
consecration. It's a consecration symbolism or offering because we have now become, according to Peter, a royal priesthood to God. John speaks of that also when he writes the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 5. Lastly, as a royal priesthood, we are still imperfect and mess up and we get dirty. So we need continual cleansing. We discussed some of this in the last episode when we looked at the cleansing of our conscience. And we talked about 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that tells us that when we mess up, when we sin, all we have to do is come and confess our sin. And he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us afresh from all unrighteousness. In the Old Testament tabernacle of Moses, there was a labor, and the labor was for continual cleansing of their hands and feet in the service of the priesthood daily. I want you to notice how beautifully this is depicted with Jesus and his church as we draw to a close here. In John chapter 13, I'd like to read beginning in verse 2, and it says this, And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. I want to stop there and just mention this. The Lord showed me something very special about that one year when I was doing the Holy Week Passover Passion Specials, and I have an episode on that called Part or Portion. It might be called Portion. It's one of the Holy Week special Passover Passion type episodes, and I encourage you to look that up. It's very beautiful what Jesus told him here. Continuing in the reading, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In other words, just give me a good old bath. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So he's washing their feet. The mikvah represents the salvation experience. In other words, they've already believed in him. They've already put their faith in him. And he is about to die for them, shedding that blood that is the ransom that pays their eternal debt of sin. Praise be to God. So that's why he says they're clean. They've been bathed, but we need only to wash our feet. In the daily service, just like in the Old Testament, the feet and the hands get dirty from time to time. And that's what the labor was for in the regular service. But also, they are now going to begin to serve as priests in the royal priesthood of the believer under Yeshua, Messiah, 
high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And in our service, in this royal priesthood, our feet become important in this service. Now I want you to understand this. He washes their feet. Why the feet? In Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, it says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Jesus knew that they had beautiful feet. Their mission would be summed up even right here because they were now going to be serving in the royal priesthood of the believer, accomplishing his mission that he will send them out to do, which he gives to us in the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. The feet of the disciples would now begin to bring good news, the gospel, the message of Jesus and his salvation, his atoning sacrifice on the cross. The feet of them would proclaim peace. They would bring the message of peace, how you can have peace with God and peace with others. They would bring glad tidings of good things. They would tell about the good things of God and how God loves them and how God has chosen them and is inviting them to come to him. They would proclaim salvation in Yeshua and his atoning work. And they will say to Zion, your God reigns. In other words, our God is on the throne. Our God loves us and he is ruling and watching over us. He is the Lord. So they were to have beautiful feet. So Jesus consecrates them through the washing of their feet at this final Passover Seder to consecrate them for service as royal priests under him as the great high priest. Jesus shows how the church is consecrated through the provisions of grace by the power of his Holy Spirit for service to him with our gifts contributing to the help and edification of his body. As priests serving our Lord, we are to be consecrated to him and we are able to receive daily cleansing as needed in his service so that we can complete our mission to bring the good news to all with our beautiful and clean feet. Praise be to God. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future messages in this Beauty of Grace series. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.